Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. We're here at the bottom of 2nd Street and Annapolis Harbor, or Spa Creek, depending on your view, with Monica Alvarado, who is the owner of Bread and Butter Kitchen. She is also a friend of mine, and we'll throw out a warning here that we're not sure where the language will go on this one. (laughs) Because before we started recording, we were talking about debunking that whole St. Monica thing going here. So hopefully we're going to prove that throughout the <laughs> throughout this whole thing. But um, Monica, thank you very much for joining us here. And Bread and Butter Kitchen is one of my favorite places. I do walk down here uh, pretty not frequently enough, but uh, to get some breakfast. And it's just a great location. Um, not the biggest place in this town, but it's probably got one of the best views that you can imagine. You are literally... Uh, if you're eating in, you're stepped from the water. If you are dining out, you can, uh, with ease, spit in the water. Correct. And but you hopefully not fall into the water. But you shouldn't <laughs> spit. You shouldn't spit. Don't that would spit. Be, don't litter. That would be uh, nothing Nothing very good came no. out about that. No. But I tell you, I you know the one thing that I think that Bread and Butter Kitchen stands for, and I mean, there was one review I saw that uh, really sort of stood out to me. I just want to read it to you. It said, Looked like a promising lunch spot on the order. We quickly left after being asked to put our masks on. It was a good call, though, because there were Black Lives Matter terrorist flags and posters throughout the restaurant, as well as pride flags all over. (laughs) Definitely not a business we're looking to support. Now, this is the first time I've ever had a sit-down interview with a terrorist organization, so... (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I'm so glad that those reviews are out there. Oh, um, I really enjoy those reviews. I also enjoy the people that are now self-identifying as people I don't want to know. Right. Like <laughs> I, I am so out of patience at this point in the pandemic and in all the things with just the divisiveness and the ridiculousness of it. Right. So you, you, she, that woman in particular put that post up. I actually, they've taken it down now because it was against community standards and that's Yelp. Yelp will take those reviews down. I got one on Google today, similar kind of thing, but they won't take it down. Right. So, you know, this is a woman who walked into my restaurant with four tiny kids who were clearly hungry. It's a boat. So boat show season. So, you know, there are lines out of the boat yard, Davis's sure. everywhere. And just walked right out because we asked her to put a mask on. Now, that's fine. Again, I appreciate people that self-identify and don't have temper tantrums. Uh, although we do have a ring camera, which if you'd like to watch some of those videos after this, <laughs> yeah, those are entertaining. Um, but, you know, it, it's disappointing, but it's better for me if they leave. I'm happy to take the one-star review. You know, it's something that most people don't understand about businesses is that you can't discriminate based on certain classes of people. Right. Um, however, every business owner has the right to do business with whomever they want. Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, life's too short to deal with assholes. Yeah. And I, you know what? We, we decided to put our masks on. So we took them off like everybody else did in June. I could not wait to take it off. It was like ripping my bra off at the end of the day. Like, you're just done, <laughs> right? We're just done with it. I get it. I'm also done. I hate wearing the mask as much as everyone else. However... I personally have um, some friends, both fully vaccinated, both wear masks at work, let their guard down outside of work, um, contracted COVID, 
uh, the, the woman did, and then her husband got it. And they have two kids that are three and one and or just 10 months, actually, I think. Um, and both of them got it. So for me, I brought that story back to my staff. All of us have children that are too young to get vaccinated, although my youngest just turned 12 and is halfway there. So one shot down, one to go. Um, but I also have a mom. My mom lives with me. She's in her 70s and, you know, has some underlying health concerns. So we just recognize that the, the risk is still there, even if you're vaccinated. And my staff and I just we just feel more comfortable having them on. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, you guys have been, I mean, as any restaurant was, was hit on March 20th with this like, oh, <laughs> oh, hell, oh, hell, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, we have spoken to you in the past about Feed Anne Arundel yeah. and everything that you have done there. And it's just absolutely wonderful. But as a business owner, that had to be like, oh, my, you know, you know, do, do I lock the doors and turn off the lights and pray to the landlord gods that he doesn't take me to court? Oh, God, right. Honestly, like there were those moments um, where I think we, we didn't know what the pandemic was going to look like. Obviously we didn't understand COVID. We were freaking out from a safety perspective. I remember waking up every morning wondering if I was doing the right thing by staying open, right? We shifted immediately to takeout only and we were set up like that. So we were good in that sense that we already had an online ordering system. We already had carry out items. A lot of restaurants had to struggle to like get all the paper and, and do carry out and shift their model completely. Like I remember talking to Alex at VIN 909 and he's like, ah, ah, <laughs> like we have to do reservations. We have to do like all of these things. So, but here, you know, that was for me, uh, there were tears. There were certainly um, lots of discussions with my team about what we were doing and if we were doing the right thing. Um, and we all agreed to just continue working and figure it out as we went along. Um, I immediately emailed my, I remember emailing my uh, landlords. I have the most wonderful landlords, um, Clarence Blackwell and, and Mary Hoffman and said, okay, can we talk rent? Cause I'm not sure. <laughs> like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Right. We're, you know, we're all, we're getting the emails from all of our tenants. We'll figure it out. So it was shortly after that, that Feed Anne Arundel popped up and in, into the world and able to get some funds trickling in and yeah it just gave me hope and i think you know customers during that time i I can't say enough about our local community right so the majority of people are just so supportive of the small businesses here right we're a part of the community we're we might be in like a business building here an office building but we're a block away from eastport neighborhood right so we are the location where people come on weekends. They walk their dogs past here. They ride their bikes past here. We're, you know, they come read the paper in the morning as they get their coffee. The other week I came by here and it was too crowded and I, yeah. I left. <laughs> I get it. I get <laughs> it. Which, which is like, which Unfortunately, is like, there's, yeah, we were just talking about that uh, earlier about how much we've grown. But, um, which is a good thing. No, I, I do want to say great. that. I mean, you do have the no mask sign on the door. Yeah. And, and that is a great policy, yeah. I think. And, and it's a very small price to pay yeah. for uh, the peace of mind that, that comes with it. Yeah. Um, you are supportive of absolutely everybody. Okay. That would be yeah. a little baseball team that comes in looking mm-hmm. for, for a gift card. Of course. That would be, um, the, you know, Annapolis Pride coming in looking yep. to host a happy hour or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. So you are, all encompassing to, yeah. you know, the, it's sort of like the hard rock cafe of Annapolis, sure. right. I guess, you know, the love all yeah. serve all thing. I got to sit there and say to the lady that posted that review, I mean, I'm looking over your shoulder here. I see a box that says menu. I see a phone number on the door. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have a mask yeah. or if I didn't want to wear a mask, yeah. uh, there's plenty of outdoor seating, probably yeah. the best seats of any restaurant in town yeah. anywhere. Yep. And I would imagine I could call 410-202-8680 yeah. and say, hey, I need a burger and a salad. Yep. 
Absolutely. And actually, our new menu is I put a QR code on there so you can scan it and order directly online and just put in the notes section, I'm sitting outside. Can you bring it to me? Like, yeah. we've done everything we can to make it comfortable. But obviously, with that woman, it wasn't about the masks. It was about my Black Lives Matter sign. It was about the pride flags. It was about clearly our our views on the world are completely different you push you push the right or the wrong buttons right. depending on yeah, how you're right looking or right, right or left where now, are you where what, are you what fall? is the term that you have for these folks that come in that have the <laughs> aversion to masks mask holes <laughs> mask holes i have i yeah somebody overheard me i got in an altercation actually with a customer gosh a few months ago monica that, is a Walter weight by the way okay yeah, and, right no it's a situation <laughs> because i you know i am dubbed saint monica but i will fight <laughs> fight you no I, not physically obviously because i am a baby but um i i will not step back and allow anybody to treat my staff poorly and on that particular day a woman came into the restaurant with her i guess it was her mom and maybe a friend and a child um to order and i wasn't here it was actually literally the day i was getting ready to fly out on vacation and i just swung in to see my staff one more time before i left and when i walked in uh, one of my employees key was at the front and key had been she they were visibly shaking. Uh, I asked what happened and he explained to me that there was a person that had just come in to place an order and refused to put a mask on and then also made some really derogatory comments about Key's rainbow mask. So Key wears a rainbow mask every day. We we now have a box of disposable ones for for them to put on as needed. Um so uh, so anyways, I was like, wait, what? And hands were shaking, visibly upset. And I said, why are we serving them? So I went outside to, to ask, you know, hey, uh, I understand you were just in my restaurant, refused to wear a mask. And we're also um, rude about the mask that my employee was wearing because it was a rainbow flag. And this woman... <laughs> was like, I don't agree with your mask policy, and that mask your employee was wearing was offensive, and they were very rude to me. I was like, rude to you? What? I, so I kind of sat there for a second. I was taken aback for the moment, and I had a bunch of people eating lunch outside watching this happen, and I looked at this person, and I said, listen, um, you're not going to eat here. We're going to go ahead and pack your food up to go. I, I don't want you here. Um, Good for you. Right. Okay, so th right, it should have ended there. <laughs> but as I was walking away to go in and let my team know to pack the food up, the woman started saying some not nice things to me. Um, and so I turned back around. I was like, okay. I went inside. I refunded the order. I told my team to stop making the food. I came back outside. I said, I'm going to ask you to go now. I've gone ahead and refunded your order. You're not welcome to stay here. <laughs> the, she stood up. She gets, Double good like, for you. She gets into my, like, personal space and i was like whoa 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 masky mask hole i'm gonna need you to back up and one of my customers thought i said asshole which was pretty funny but no i said mask hole um and and she was like i can't believe you're gonna throw us out of here because i won't wear a mask i was like yeah it's my business well you can't do that it's my right and i was like no it's my business my rules and i'm telling you you have to go now um and and then my customers, one of my customers started clapping and I said, see, right. nobody wants you here. Right. <laughs> like, you can go, right? You can go now. And, um, and she left, but not quietly. And, you know, it, it shouldn't have had to get to that point. You've got but. to love an employer that sticks up for an employee. Yeah. And I, I mean, you've got that whole, the customer is always right. And that's true until they're not. Right. They're um, not always right. And they're not. And <laughs> like, I'll, I'll tell you one of the great, I had the 
greatest pleasure to have dinner and meet and have conversations with Herb Kelleher before he died, who founded Southwest Airlines. Oh, wow. And one of the stories he tells is that he, he was flying on his planes. And of course, there's no first class or second. Right. You know, there's nothing like that. He's just sitting down there and he's drinking his bourbon that he does all the time. Yeah. Uh, somebody was just being really rude to one of the flight attendants and it was just like this and, and Herb looks over and, and here's your language warning. He looks over, he says, just get off the fucking plane. They were yeah. still at the, um, at the gate. Yeah. And the guy, the woman looks offended, like, who the hell are you? He says, he says, look, he peels out his wad of cash. Yeah. Peels off like $300 bills. Says, here's your money back. Get off the fucking plane. Yeah. And she's like to the flight attendant, well, who the hell is that? He says, well. He, owns, he kind of owns it. He owns the fucking plane. And off, off he goes. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, you know, it, it's beautiful. And it really established a rapport with their employees. Yeah. When they first came to Baltimore, uh, his ad in the Baltimore Sun and the, uh, maybe the Capitol at the time said that if you want to work for Southwest, we're coming to Baltimore. Show up at this hangar, four o'clock in your pajamas, not a minute later. Yeah. Okay. So at four o'clock, they had somebody go out and anybody that was in line was in line. And anybody that was not wearing pajamas was sent home. Oh, my goodness. I love this. He said, if you cannot, if you cannot follow the most simple instructions. Right. We don't want you. Right. And, you know, it really has instilled that thing. And I've got to imagine what you did and how you stuck up your employees really did that for you as well. I mean, I um, it's so funny you say that. So a friend of mine, we're we're working on a retreat for the spring. Um, my friend uh, is you would you should talk to her at some point. She runs Anchored Hope Therapy is her her group, and she's a trauma informed therapist and whatever. We've been talking a lot about leadership and what does that look like and what's for me like community driven leadership and servant leadership and like you know being focused not just on your customers but on your employees and um, and for me I, you know they're my family first and foremost and and. I, and I say that knowing that for them, this is still just a job, right? That's just, it's something that as a business owner, I have my heart and soul here, right? This is everything right. to me. It's important to me. Um, but I, I also recognize for my employees, it's just a job. They have to put money, food on the table, et cetera, pay their bills. So I try very hard to kind of include them in decisions so that they do feel like this is partially theirs as well, right? I'm very transparent. Even my busboys know how much money we've made so far this year, right? Like we have these conversations because I think it's important for them to understand when I say, please don't give somebody who's dining in to carry out utensils, first of all, because nobody wants to eat with plastic utensils if they don't have to. But second of all, because it costs money, right? So we're like, right. So, so it's something as simple as just helping them understand how the business works to, um, you know, a number of our menu items are from my employees. They're inspired by them. So I really want them to feel some sense of ownership here. And um, even like the first year that I opened, um, it, day one, I knew, like, I left the corporate world personally so that I could have better work-life balance. I needed to not be a crazy person anymore. Uh, that, <laughs> still working on it, John. How's that, how's that working out? Still working on that, John. Um, but I, I, um, so I initially, like, that first year, I, I knew I wanted to close for a week while schools were out during the holidays because I wanted to be with my kids. And there's only so many more holiday breaks that I'm going to have with them before they're gone. And um, and it's all well and good for me to want to do that, to close for a week. But then I have employees who are all single moms who work, live check to check. 
um, even no matter what, they're, they're living check to check. So I made it a point to, to say that when I'm closed for any reason, you're paid, right? So we're closed. We closed for school this year for three days. Everybody got paid for those three days. Um, and it gave them the freedom to get their kids settled into school schedule and not worry that their check was going to be less. That's awesome. And I think for hourly employees, that's such a blessing because they don't get to take time off if they're sick, right? My employees didn't volunteer at the schools. They right. never signed up for that stuff because that means leaving school or leaving work to go do something and not and, getting and paid. Lose, and losing money. So it's a shift. It's a, it's a hard shift. My manager, Lupe, um, She's, I'm her third owner at this location. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she's been here a long time. Um, but she took her very first vacation this summer and it was a paid vacation. And so I just, that gave me goosebumps. So it just makes me so happy that that's something I experienced in the corporate world that I brought with me here. And I just, you know, I just hope to continue to be able to give more to them. Well, Tay, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. How, how you got into this. Where did, where did, where did we start? You, you mentioned this vague corporate world. What's, uh, what's, what's the deal with that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was a totally different world for me. I, out, right out of high school, I joined the Air Force. So okay. I was, uh, an intelligence analyst in the Air Force. Is this where I'm supposed to say thank you for your service? No, God, that's is fine. That, that like <laughs> I, that's, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I got out in 97. That, I always joke because first of all, I was in the Air Force, which is like the chair force, the chair force. And I'm proud of that. Right. I was smart enough to join that one. And why did I join the Air Force? Best uniforms. Um, I was not going to wear olive drab Marines. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, or bell bottoms in the right. Navy. Right. They had the, right. the, those, the white flares. Uh, no. And they're jean ones. Right. Um, so anyways, what are they? Dungarees? Dungarees. Yeah. Awful. Awful fashion. So, um, but I joined the Air Force when I was 18 and um, ended up in Japan for three years. And then my final duty station was actually Fort Meade at National Security Agency. And um, and again, as a, we were talking before we started the podcast, I was married at the time and got divorced. And so my ex-husband and I decided to stay here in the area. And for me, it made sense, right? I was in technology. I had a security clearance. I got out in 1997 when this like top dot com was going on before the bomb. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it was perfect timing for me to get out and kind of transition into the civilian world. Um, and I did that. I, I um, became a tech writer right out of, of the Air Force, then a web designer. I taught myself HTML right when that was important. Um, and started doing websites um, back when they were like frames and, right. you know, they're terrible stuff from the past. Um, and then, you know, my career just kind of evolved from there. I became a project manager and then eventually ended up in every type of leadership role you might find in a technology company. So like all the way up to CEO and CTO and director of this and vice president of that. And, and then at that point, burnout. Burn out big time. Like the, this is like, you know, the turning point for me was about 10 years ago, which is really funny because, um, there's so many like weird connections. So I left, I worked for USI, which if okay. you're from here and right. most people who are from Annapolis remember USI. Um, and then it became AT&T when AT&T acquired USI. And I was there for about four years and I was burned out. Like I was working long hours. I had a, at the time I left, I'd gone through five reorgs, right? I'd had five different bosses. The fifth boss, I was like, I can't do this again, especially because it was AT&T taking over USI, and they did not understand what we did. We did cloud computing. It was right. like, they were like... Which is ubiquitous now. Right, right. Everyone knows it now, but yeah, yeah at the time. So um, 
I was just tired. I was tired of getting in arguments. I had 120 employees all over the globe. So I'd have conference calls at 11 o'clock with my guy in Australia and calls at seven in the morning with India. And then I had folks in California. It was like a lot. And they CC'd me. This is why I suck at email now. AT&T burned me out because I would get in, every employee would CC me, right? So 120 employees CC me three times a day. Right. And then oh. there are all the responses to their emails, thousands of emails a day. And like, I'm not kidding you, like once a month, I would just delete everything. I didn't even care. We just needed an inbox zero. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. And I knew all my employees would have everything anyway. So, um, but yeah, so I left AT&T to go work for a friend of mine who I worked with like, you know, a decade before that. And, um, it was my dream job with my dream salary and my dream title. And I was really excited. And I, um, I thought it was going to be change, right? I'd have more control over my life and my schedule. And no. So I, um, had just closed like this huge 20, $30 million contract with the Department of Energy for this company and got back from Augusta, Georgia, where they were and sat down with my boss and said, listen, I'm tired. Like, this is not what I signed up for. I, we, something's got to change. I don't know what that is, but if we could like figure that out. So that was on a Friday on Monday, I got a beautiful bonus for that contract. Yay. Love a good bonus. And then, um, Friday, they let me go. They fired me. Okay. Yeah. That was, I guess, the change. Oh, sort of helped. Help I make mean, your... I did say I needed a change. Right. So that was a nice kick in the ass. And um, I fell into immediate, like, depression and anger. Um, but they did give me a nice severance package, which gave me a couple months to kind of say, okay, when I go back, what is it going to look like? At that time, I had no hobbies. Right? I've been working since I was 14. Um, first job was McDonald's. So my only other experience in food, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That, that was that was where I was going to yeah, go. Yeah, no, that was it. So, um, at, when I got fired, I um, took a couple months off. I did a blog, like a, you know, I, I, I was trying to find myself. Started cooking again. Started going to the farmers markets and um, fell in love with cooking. But then reality hit, and I had to like pay the mortgage. <laughs> So my husband at the time, by the way, was going back to school. He was changing careers from finance to cybersecurity. So at that point, I was theoretically the breadwinner. Right. And so I, I did have to go back to work. Um, and when I went back, I chose to go back in a non-leadership position. So I was a consultant, a project management consultant. And um, we have a party going on behind us. This is fun. Yeah, I know. Well, they had a wedding. So a wedding what, at the what is behind us, John and I are witnessing like the out, <laughs> a wedding coming out and everybody's very happy. But yeah, so that's where I fell back in love with food, but I did go back to work. It took me about six more years before I left and um, started Bread and Butter Kitchen. So how, okay, you mentioned you were at the, at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And I, were you doing baked goods? No. So no? I, the whole thing started because I, I did start a bread and butter kitchen website. It was a blog, right? With recipes, like really annoying stories about my life, followed by a recipe that you had to scroll. All 50, stuff nobody wants to read. Right. All okay. bullshit that I'm like, why did I share all that? It was really embarrassing personal stuff. Um, but here's my quiche. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Like, my children had fun in the snow today. Here's some cookies. Um, so, yeah, really lame. But it did connect me then. I started doing interviews with farmers and with different food vendors like Rogue Pierogies and really started to get to know people in the community. But I was also making all of the food at home 
from scratch. And so my friend half-heartedly said, you should start making meals for me. I'd pay you. You know, you make good food from scratch, good ingredients. And that was where this idea came. Like, it was when HelloFresh was starting to pop up. And I'm like, well, what if the food was already made? It was made with stuff locally. And that's what we did. So Bread and Butter Kitchen started at the farmer's market um, making meals to go. Fantastic. Yeah. So how, how did you transition to here at 2nd Street in Annapolis Harbor? Total fluke. I had zero interest or thought or ideas that I would ever open a restaurant. Um, the owner before me is Brandon Bartlett. He owned, uh, at the time it was called Joe Diggs in, in Edgewater. It was a coffee shop. And um, he had been buying my soups. I was making him soups that he could sell at Joe Diggs because he didn't have a kitchen there. And I just was there one day and I was getting busier and busier with bread and butter kitchen, um, doing the meals to go weekly menus. And um, I said, you know, I really, I need to find another kitchen to rent because the person I was renting from um, was going through U USDA certification or something, whatever. It was getting harder to use a kitchen. And his wife was standing there and she said, you should just buy our cafe. I was like, what cafe? I didn't even know. I only knew it was Joe Diggs. So they told me about this. They gave me the address. I came here that day, walked in, and it, it wasn't pretty, right? It was not a, I don't know if you remember, it was like three different shades of blue. Yeah, there were rock yeah. and roll posters on the walls yeah. that were theoretically. Well, that, that Brand, yeah. Brand, Brandon's Brand music. Brandon's is, is right. pressing strings, so I mean. But it's... it was like, it was just, it hadn't really been updated, and, and it was empty. Like, there was no one here except Lupe and Ale. And um, it was like the shelves were relatively bare. It was just weird, but. I didn't notice any of that. What I noticed was the view and I, and how small the spot was. And I was like, I'll take it. Like it was an instantaneous decision, just like me joining the air force instantaneous. Let's just do it. Screw it. Um, that's how I make all big decisions in my life, by the way, okay. <laughs> small ones. I labor over right. big ones. We're going, going for it, screw right? it. What's the worst that could happen? So, so that's what happened to that 58 foot sailboat the other week. Yeah. Yeah. Just screw it. Let's just do it. <laughs> Yeah, just, Fine. Where do I sign? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, that was in April. And then I opened um, right before right before Blue Angel Week in May of 2017. Wow. Yeah. It was a handshake deal. Uh, I do not recommend that. Don't recommend doing that. Um, we did, did the contract later, and it was a little bit of a nightmare. But we got through it. And, um, you know, it, it's the best thing I've ever done, honestly, other than joining the Air Force. Like, well, let's talk. Let's talk about your menu and what you offer. Okay, you are mm -hmm. open from early in the morning, seven thirty to three in the afternoon. Yep. Uh, you do occasional dinners and occasional events and yep. and everything else. But let's talk about your menu. I mean, where? How would you describe what you guys have? Other yeah. than not having Diet Coke. I know Diet Coke <laughs> is the bane of my existence. We're out of Diet Coke, everyone. I'm very sorry. Um, we're always out of Diet Coke. So my menu is, um, it's got some classic stuff, right? So we're breakfast and lunch seven days a week. You can do either or all day long, breakfast all day if you want. Um, we, you know, the menu has evolved over the years and it's really due to what people are asking for. Um, I didn't have a vegan vegetarian section before. I didn't have a bunch of gluten free. Um, but so that's really a reflection of what my customers are asking for. The food itself, like I, when I first took over, um, I just ate my way through the existing menu and um, got to know the customers and started introducing my food through specials, right? And so a lot of those items are now on the menu, like the banh mi bowl, and, which is a take on the classic banh mi sandwich, a Vietnamese sandwich. Um, 
there's salsa de huevos, which is one of my favorite meals on the menu. And it's a very humble breakfast. One of my employees, Ale, um, it's um, something she made for family meal one day. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's going on the menu because it was just that delicious. And what is it? It's literally just scrambled eggs in a, a salsa that we make here in house. And it's not like your typical chips and dip salsa. It's, um, it is a tomato base, but it's got an herb in it called epazote, which is very herbaceous and it gives kind of this earthy flavor to it. Uh, and then, you know, it's got a little kick to it as well. Um, and it's just a very humble breakfast and we serve that with refried beans and corn tortillas. So it's gluten free and it can be made vegan with plant fare instead of eggs. Um, and it's just a really humble, simple, delicious breakfast. I'll have to try that next time yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm sort of like a bacon, egg, and cheese wrap breakfast Which kind is of a great. person. Right. And that, like, it's like the hippie hash, right? The hippie hash has actually been on the menu for like four or five owners. I think four or five owners ago was Paul Evans, is what I think people have told me. Paul Evans, who, uh, Paul the and Bob Mary. Bob Evans' brother? <laughs> I think he was like a basketball coach or something at the at the academy at I don't know. He's in Florida now. That's that much I know. But he um the hippie hash skillet has been on the menu from owner to owner to owner. Oh neat. And that's one of those that I that will never go away. I think there would be riots in Eastport if I took hippie hash off. <laughs> don't start any riots. That's no. the last thing we need here. <laughs> no, no. We don't have the energy or the traffic control for that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. That is true. Well, let's talk about some of your special events that you've done. I mean, I know yeah. that you've had a, uh, a concert here with mm-hmm. um, the Valhalla Project. Yeah, that was fun. And you do occasional dinners and stuff. Yeah. Why, why do that when you're jam-packed and successful between 7.30 and 3? You know, I get bored. Like, I, there's a few things, right? So, like, the pop-up dinners that we've done, um, we used to do them a lot more frequently before COVID, obviously, but um, they're just a, they're either a way to allow um, other chefs to come in, and, and, like, at one point, we had Stephen Grant, who was he did several pop-ups here. One was like a Hawaiian night and just a lot of fun and, and just an opportunity for, for him to do some fun stuff. We've done them where Lupe wanted to do a night and it was an opportunity for her to, you know, to make the food that she loves. Right? It's Mexican, amazing food, different than what you'd find in your local restaurants, which I love. I sure. think that's it's much more authentic than, you know, the Americanized version of Mexican food. So, and I think there's a, there's a craving for that here. People really, Annapolis is getting better. But when I moved here, it was mostly like steakhouses and seafood. And it was like the crab cake and overcooked asparagus capital. I've, I've often said that Annapolis and was, yeah. and I'll use was, was a very mediocre town yeah. as far as food goes. And we've upped our game we significantly have. in some, and it doesn't need to be fancy five-star right. dining to be. That five star experience. Yeah, can we? Yes, can we just make good food that isn't? I mean, the I, same? I look and I, I yeah. Two two of my favorite as far as the the Latin food is Sinfronteras yes. and Caliente. Oh, two of I think, my favorite. I think and the others are they're, amazing they're, too. They're both there, but you. I don't think you can find any more divey of the buildings right. that. Yeah. It, and you know, it's real basic service, is but it is it is a five star meal. Yeah, both and, of them, and that you know. That's the thing, right? It doesn't have to be a fancy place to be good. And I think Annapolis, I, I'm glad that there are the Caliente Grills and Sin Fronteras. And, and now we're starting to see even more diversity. And I would love to see more. I'm, I'm dying. We did a dumpling pop-up in May. Um, it was way busy. Like, it was so popular that... Uh, it, and we did it because I was craving dumplings. And I, through Feed Anne Arundel, have been able to get to know a number of restaurants throughout the county. So sure. I brought two additional restaurants in 
to do dumplings their style. So we had um, Cafe Bira, which is now closed. Um, they're moving, I think, but um, they're from Nepal. So they were doing Momo, which is a, a steamed dumpling. And then we had Molly Thai come down and they did some Thai so. style. And then I did dessert dumplings. Um, and, it, you know... That was so fun, and the food was so good, and it's so different than what we have here. I'd love to see a dim sum place open. It's neat. Well, you've got a really great place to be able to do that there. Yeah. What's next yeah. for Bread and Butter Kitchen? Is there a next? I mean, do we have Bread and Butter 2 coming up in Crofton? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I will say we have a we are going to do an event November 13th here at night. Um, so Vintage Views Mobile Bar is going to be here, which I love. They have the best cocktails. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't figured out what the menu is going to be yet, but I'm I'm kind of I'm reaching out to local artisans. So if anybody hears this, food, vendors, artists, whatever you are, I'd love to do like a pre-holiday shop local event. So And what's that date? November 13th. Okay, so before- before everything mm-hmm. goes crazy. Yeah, before yeah, it's before the holidays, right? And it gives people an opportunity to come out before they have to start dealing with family. Because we used to do this at my house, right? Every year in November before. Because we stop seeing our friends, really, in November, right? You're going to Thanksgiving. You're going mm-hmm. to your Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa events. Like, you're, there's a lot going on. There's holiday parties. And, oh, it's just nonstop. So, um, so that's really the concept of it. And... Um, so that'll be November 13th. Do you miss your corporate world at all at times? No. Not even no. a second of it. No. No, I Not I even on that every other Friday when the paycheck rolls around or <laughs> That's when my husband's paycheck comes in so nicely. Um I mean I mean it is so stressful for a business owner to know that yeah. and and you've alluded to that that okay it's you're you're not just putting food on your right. table. Um, you've got to worry about the, and I don't know how many employees you have, a dozen? Um, or, 15 now. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got food that you're worried about on their table yeah. too. And that is a really yeah. difficult position to be in. It is. It's, um, I, you know, I, I appreciate the corporate world and my background has given me, you know, a unique set of skills that apply in the restaurant world. That doesn't mean I didn't have a lot to learn, right? I didn't have food experience. So I walked into an organization here and like I said, I didn't change the menu. I kind of was learning as I went and I am so spontaneous and sometimes not the best planner <laughs> that I like literally on Sunday was Harbor Cafe and on Monday was Bread and Butter Kitchen. I hadn't been here. I hadn't talked to Lupe in Ale. I hadn't learned the register. <laughs> I just was like, we're open. Like I was so excited and it, it was fine. Like it worked out. Um, but yeah, I remember walking in Sunday night. I was like, let me just do a quick clean. I wasn't I was worried. Um, and I leaned on this wall right here. Right. On the inside. I leaned on it and it moved. And I could see the sidewalk out here. And I was like, What did I do? Was, I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> did I just do? Like, I was so freaked out. It was like Mother's Day weekend. It was Mother's Day. And I was like, Fuck. I just. And I had like this moment like, of sheer terror. And then it was too late. Like, that. it was it. It was it. I was, it was in. It was over and it was done. It was in. Do you think your ignorance coming into the restaurant business helped you? Always. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've often said that, that you know, yeah. the, dumb little kids in kindergarten yeah. or some of the smartest, because they, they always ask why. Yeah. To the point where it's irritating. And it's, yeah. you know, because it's very simple to own a restaurant and mm-hmm. say, well, we do it this way because we always do it this right. way. Right. Right. Because this is how it's done. Right. Without asking why. And, and none mm-hmm. of the improvements and none, you can't right. evolve. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's interesting because all my employees, 
thankfully I listen to them, right? Like I think that's a big part of it. So I have a new employee who just started. She's had years of experience all over the place and she's come in here, you know, we're now up in four and a half years. She's been here a couple months and she's like, why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing it that way? Have you considered doing it this way? All great ideas and improvements. So it's, it is constantly evolving. And I think like for me, I understood the background. I know how to negotiate a, a contract. I know how to do HR. Like I, I've, I've managed people. Right. I've, I've had all of that experience, but there's not quite um, any corporate learning that can explain the importance of knowing how much a piece of bacon costs. <laughs> Seventeen cents, by the way, a slice of bacon. It's probably more now, but um, so obviously you didn't spend your corporate time at McDonald's. Um, no, no, I did not. You no, know, they, they 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 just add a penny to the cost of fries and boom. Four million dollars a day oh to their God. balance sheet. I would love that. Can I do that? We were just debating in here because I do. Uh, we give masks out, and one of my employees yesterday. I have this amazing employee, Jessica, and she's got you know people refer to it as resting bitch face, right? Um, and she's just a very serious, focused employee. She's probably one of my best, right? Like mm-hmm. she works her ass off. She's fast. She's efficient. She can do anything in the restaurant, front, back, doesn't matter. Um, so I love her, but she does sometimes rub people the wrong way, which I, again, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Just, it's just food people. It's not, we're not solving cancer, curing cancer. We're not figuring out the national debt. We're making burgers, like pull it together. Okay. (laughs) And that, I think that perspective helps here. That's how I used to be in the computer world. One of my employees I was just talking to is you, you were the one that taught me perspective, right? Because people would be freaking out and you're, your answer was always, we're just building a server, right? Like it's calm down, like nothing. The earth is not going to stop rotating if we're a day late, right? I feel the same way here. But anyways, um, Jessica, yesterday she texts me <laughs> like long text and she's like, listen, uh, I just yelled at a customer and I'm really sorry, but I'm really tired of it. And I was like, tired of what? And she said, well, you know, he comes in every morning at 7.30 and every single morning he forgets his mask. And those masks cost you 50 cents each. And I told him, this is the last mask you're getting. You know better. You need to start bringing a mask. And um, and he was offended, of course. And he was like, you should not talk to customers like that. And she was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's fine. I support you. Like, I do. Like, that was a relative, maybe not the way it was presented, but <laughs> but it was a, sure. a fair point. It was a fair point. So Sure, that. You know, Two dollars fifty just, cent wrap now is, you know, now, right. now you've lost. You know, that, that, 70, that seventy five cent you would have made on it. Now you, you're, you're right. down to a right. quarter. Like, come on. Um, but you know, and I, it's funny because they're like, "Well, should we start charging for masks?" No, because no, that's not what we're doing here, right? We will. We're not doing that. That's not the type of business I'm running. Like, that's not the thing I need to be worried about at night nickeling and diming and worrying about the tiny things. The bigger things are our reputation. Is the food coming out consistently? Do people feel good when they leave here, right? What's funny, you you talk about the, the employees and what the, the problems that they're under. I was in Charleston last weekend, and there was a sign on a restaurant door that said, you know, um, we love our employees. Uh, they're doing the best job that they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a suggestion on how to do it better, scan here, and it had a QR code, yeah. and it went to a job application. If, 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 if you if you think you can do better, yeah, come on back here. And and I mean, there was a little bit more yeah. to it, saying that you know we're, everybody's having a tough time hiring yeah. everybody, and 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 the whole nine. It, it's and, that, and it's all the. There was that Brene Brown thing that's been floating around. Um, she interviewed this woman, Amy Cuddy, who wrote an article in the Washington Post in August called "Pandemic Flux," mm-hmm. and it's this 
a way to put a name to how I think a lot of people, I know how I'm feeling, right? Like the pandemic never stopped. It stopped briefly. We ripped our masks off, celebrated, and then we slapped them back on our faces um, because of the variant and all the other things. And then not just COVID, it's the politics is so much more divisive. And like things haven't gotten better. And I feel like people were expecting, okay, we did our part. Now let's move on. So I remember listening to that podcast a few weeks ago and, and trying to have more compassion toward the mask holes. Like maybe this is the only thing in their lives that they have control over right now. Right. Like I try, <laughs> I do try to be a good person. I try to be St. Monica. I want to live up to that. But, um, but you know, most of the time I'm like, just put the fucking mask on. You're in my restaurant for 30 fucking seconds to order, pull it together. Like, why is this so fucking hard? Yeah. Right. And I, I, I don't get it. I just, I don't think I'll ever understand it. I just, I don't understand it. Like we put masks on children when they are going through chemotherapy. It works. It, it, it stop. Just stop. We put seatbelts on when we get into the car. I, don't, I just don't get it, John. I, I, just, I, grew, I grew up with so my mother. Exhausted. My mother's right arm was my seatbelt. Right. Slamming me right. into the back seat when she yeah. know, foot goes on the brake, arm goes out. <laughs> slams me into the back seat. I mean, and, and we, we've evolved. I mean, we go to the dentist and you get x-rays. They put that lead thing yeah, on you. Yeah, um, there are things that are, are for your safety. And I, I feel, I don't know, I've been in a weird mental drain lately, just really tired. Of- and until we really get a handle on COVID and figure out what it is, how to control it, how yeah. to eradicate it, how to deal with it, whatever it is. Yeah. It's a really, again, a really small price yeah, to pay. It is. I mean, look, Colin Powell passed away yesterday. Yeah. And I think that again, like he was fully vaccinated. I'm sure he took all the precautions. He was going through cancer and still was exposed somehow, mm-hmm. some way. That wasn't necessary, right? Yeah. Like we shouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah. So I, you know, it's frustrating. Without doubt. Well, I'll tell you, down here in the heart of Eastport at 2nd Street and Annapolis Harbor, Bread and Butter Kitchen. Oh, if you put a .com on the end of that, that's the website that'll take you to it. Bread and Butter Kitchen. Yeah. Monica Alvarado is the owner. Uh, fabulous menu. It is a very casual. This is a, a quintessential Eastport joint. Yeah. Uh, you come here. You you can grab it to go. You can walk with it and eat something out of a wrapper. You can sit down at a table. Um, surprisingly varied cool eclectic dishes too yep. i mean yeah. it's not something that you would you know it's not it's not just like the burger joint at the beachside you know yeah. stand or something like yeah. that 7:30 to 3 daily yeah um and look look for the special events but definitely get down here make sure you check it out don't come here if you're looking for Diet Coke. Uh, it's just... Stop and bring your own Diet Coke. <laughs> Listen, what happens, you know, what you have in your tumbler is none of my business. I can't serve you alcohol. So, you know, you I'm just kidding. That. Sorry, liquor board. I was a joke. Uh... You got to work on that. <laughs> I can't, you know what? I am grandfathered in as a maritime caterer. So I'm in that weird zoning situation in this, the county. You have to be either a deli or a restaurant to be able to get a liquor license. And I, from what I understand, even though there's maritime zone changes being proposed right now, it still wouldn't impact me. Okay. So that's why I always joke around. I'm like, you know, if you bring a tumbler, just bring one for me. Can Can you bring your own own here? I mean, no, no. I mean, technically, no. Okay. Do people? I would imagine. Like, I certainly come in. Like, our tables are out here 24 seven, right? So you can certainly come down here and sure. and eat. And so, but no, I mean, I guess the rule in Maryland is even BYO is. Um, you still have to have a liquor license because you have to be able to, to cut people there. off and all that jazz. And maybe a dumb question or maybe not. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have any dockage, do you, yourself? I, I 
actually just got my own slip. Yeah. So uh, just October 1st, I signed a contract with my... So we are right on the water. And this summer is by far the busiest summer we've ever had. And we did find that a lot of people were coming by boat um, and maybe hot slipping a little bit. Which okay. uh, for the non-boaters means that you're grabbing somebody else's assigned um, slip, which is rude. <laughs> so, um, it's only rude. It's only, it's only rude, rude if they come back. If they come back, right? Um, so it became somewhat of a challenge here. Uh, so I do now have a slip. It's B33. It's a 45 foot slip. It's very easy to get in and out of. It's um, open for my customers to use um, while they're dining. Obviously, don't come and leave it overnight or anything crazy. Um, But yeah, that's a brand new addition. And I have it right now until December. And then somebody's going to rent it December, February, March, which is perfect. And then we'll have it again in April. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I completely I was, forgot about it. Was it. A, it was like I, I, I thought the answer was going to be yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> bring, come bring the new. water ta- bring the water taxi <laughs> to the chart house and walk down. You, know? you could do that too. You uh, could do that too. But yeah, I think um, it's going to be nice because we do find a lot of people will come down. They'll they'll pre order and they'll grab it and take it back out on the boat, or they'll come and sit down and eat and just it's nice. It'll be nice just to have. A place for them to tie up and not stress. That's neat. And as far as the location, access by the water taxi, easy enough. You want to get off at the chart house, um, walk to the end of the dock, and you're right there. If you're walking from Annapolis, it's a quick walk up Severn Avenue over the bridge, and you're right in the heart of downtown. Uh, If you're energetic and psycho enough, you can jump off City Dock and swim here and be here in 10 minutes. That's fun. Maybe um, definitely take a shower after, though. Because, you know. Yeah, you've got, I see you've got some <laughs> disinfecting hand sanitizer gonna, out We'll give you some disinfectant wipes. You can use our bathroom. It'll be great. But if you're looking for a treat and you've never been here, definitely get to Bread and Butter Kitchen. Monica is always here with a smile unless you are not wearing a mask. Yeah. And then she's going to call all, you a mask all, all, all over but you. But I will give you a mask. Just, uh, uh, you know. Don't don't abuse don't abuse it. Don't and, abuse it, or Jessica um, you know, will come after you. you. Know, it's it's so much easier to be nice to people yeah. than it is uh, yeah. to be a jerk. We literally it, have a sign on our register that says "Be a nice human." If you could just abide by that, you're welcome here anytime. It's a simple rule. Yeah, Monica, thank you so much for your time. I am glad I finally got the time to sit down yeah, and talk about bread and butter kitchen as opposed yeah. to Pete Anne Arundel. Yeah, and uh, you know, thank you so much for your honesty, your candor, and uh, keeping it light. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.